0: Hey, it's OG Willikers. We're back with another episode of ra Raw Room Radio Podcast. This week, we've got Sage Cornelius. This dude is amazing on the fiddle. He's also an awesome storyteller, so let's have him take it away.
1: Hey, how's it going? My name's Sage Cornelius. I was raised in Topeka, Kansas, now living in Albuquerque in the 505, proudly representing the Navajo, Oneida, and Potawatomi nations. I'm a fiddle player, and I also do uh, composing works of my own um, that vary between cinematic and electronic EDM kind of style music. Um, The first song is going to be called Catalyst. hope you guys enjoy it.
0: That's good. Great to
1: be here, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We just met the other day. Uh, well, no, sorry? actually, we just met right now. Yeah. Officially. officially. Yeah. Officially. Outside social media. Um, where do we meet?
1: Uh, we met uh, at the sister bar at Defy's uh, CD release for his new album, Dream Trails, which I was very happy to be uh, featured on. Um, honored. Uh, I think it's the first track, actually, he picked. So, uh, yeah, it was a great time, man. It was nice and hot. There's a lot of bodies in there, too. Yeah, that was
0: a sweet show. Yeah, I just walked in, didn't have much time. I was just trying to show some, some support. Yeah. And you were just on stage rocking it, man. I've never seen someone rock that hard with that instrument before.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you.
0: And uh, actually, you know, a long time ago, I saw the band Yellow Card. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Band, oh, yeah, like, for sure. And they had a fiddle player. And I actually saw him get on top of some really tall amps and backflip so that was pretty cool too yeah, but, but, like, but got, you didn't you I got, consistently rocked. that still you you have your own style with it
1: cool i gotta step up on my game then well like, i didn't mean to call some, you out like that. It wasn't fire like that or something next time <laughs> but no you were
0: killing it like super super crazy
1: heck yeah thank you i appreciate that i'm glad you enjoyed the show i definitely uh tried to give it my all that specific show too so uh i was definitely drenched afterwards mm-hmm. yeah that's that's yeah. kind of
0: the rules like if you're not really sweaty after the show, you did something wrong. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> oh, cool, man. So tell okay. us a little more. Um, yeah, I know you already gave us a brief intro, but yeah. Um, usually, I have people on the show. I kind of know them a little bit. I haven't even met you before, so it's kind of for me. I'm learning too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, what's what's up with you and uh, your musical path?
1: Yeah. Right now, um, we found ourselves in Albuquerque, like I said, and uh, what you might call it. Um, We've just been slowly building and trying to connect with a lot of other local talent and everything and musicians. And it's been very helpful because um, within Albuquerque, my mom's originally from Shiprock. So um, given that, I have a bunch of family in the area. So it makes it a little bit easier to kind of connect and show face and everything. And I'm really fortunate that um, my cousin Defy... um, you know, as prominent as he is in the music scene, it's been really helpful to kind of get in contact with him. And, you know, he's been sharing his audience and his platform with us. So I feel like it would have been, uh, it's it's been faster growing than like, rather than moving to a town where we don't know anybody, you know, not saying we're not, I'm not afraid of that challenge, but I think just for, you know, dipping your foot foot in the water and trying to like, you know, where's the first place? Albuquerque felt like it was the right place, and so far it's been awesome. I love it out here. There's I come from Kansas, which is like on the average is like eighty five percent humidity. Here it's oh, wow. dry air, man. You know what I mean? It's great, and you guys got mountains, and not 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 throwing shade on Kansas. I love Kansas. It'll always be part of my heart, but I love mountains too. You know, and we don't got any of that there, unfortunately. <laughs> oh yeah, so
0: lots so, to explore here.
1: Oh, very much, man. The trails, like I've been, I've been starting to like do a lot of trail running now, and like trying to really commit to losing weight. And so it's awesome, like going out to the mountains and just getting away from everybody. You know, honing in and ninjaing out out there in the trees. You know what I mean? It's it's been great so far. Oh yeah, it's it's a. Uh
0: special place out here for sure
1: oh yeah there's there's a there's a there's an energy out here no no doubt
0: about it for sure yeah so much open space so you can see for miles at certain parts like on your way back to albuquerque from here you're gonna be going down la bajada hill Uh uh-huh and that view is just right this goes on forever so cool definitely well awesome man well welcome to new mexico thank you yeah you definitely definitely brought some fierce talent with you Appreciate that. Um, yeah. yeah, so uh, you're out here, you're making music, do you have a new record?
1: Um, I have a. I have this EP called the Chaos EP, um, of which the first song that you heard, again, is called Catalyst. And um, specifically that song, um, every song in this EP, it's not necessarily a concept album, but it tells somewhat of a story. And the first song is based on um, me finding music and, or I guess making that my main focus, making that my main drive. Um, at the time, uh, I remember I was back in college and I was going for school to something I didn't love, which was business. I was good with numbers. And so both of my parents encouraged me to go to school and do all that whole thing. And, um, I found myself drinking and partying a lot. And, uh, I was almost, like, going out every night to try and, like, almost find, like, a girl that I would never find. That kind of, like, kind of, like, that thing. And I ended up just partying with the same people over and over and over. And after a certain point, you know, it's... I kind of really started asking, like, where am I going with this? You know, where is this going to take me? And so I got... I had a lot to drink one night. Fell asleep on my bed, thankfully. And uh, I had this dream. And it was a very euphoric dream, man. I, I can't... I It's, like... W- such a big changing point in my life. So here I was in my grandpa's backyard in this dream and I was approached basically, long story short, I was approached by the spirit, which I believed to be was my muse. And this muse took the form of me when I was six years old. And as it approached me, it was like, I could feel all this doubt and all the depression, all the worry in my stomach, you know, that hole you feel in your stomach sometimes. It, it was just filled with reassurance, with warmth, with love all the things that should be there, you know? And he talked to me and he said, you know, hey, you you really doubt yourself, but you shouldn't blame yourself for that. You know, there's still more than enough time to make your dreams happen. But if you're going to do this, you have to commit to this right now, not tomorrow, not the next day, not next week, right freaking now. And so then this spirit or whatever, and then my dream took me into the future, and I, like, went to this this place in the city, and it was dark, it was cold, it was damp, and all I could see, I remember, like, the fluorescent light of the uh, neon lights of the bar lights um, illuminating off the ground and everything. And uh, I saw a bunch of my old drinking buddies as they were leaving the bar, and they were old, and they had these glass mugs, and they were trying to drink out of it, but there was nothing coming out they were just empty suds basically and i looked closer and i could see tears coming out of their eyes and it was like i could hear them cheering towards the things that all the things that they could have been if they would have dedicated their lives to something great it's like man imagine if we went and did that thing or imagine if i would have took that lesson or imagine if i would have just made that jump and then it was like a portal right back to where i was before talking to that spirit and I just remember him just, like, looking at me and smiling. And then I woke up, and it was, it was completely different. My mindset had completely changed. I don't know whether that was, like, a divine intervention, but it immediately at that moment, I was, like, obsessed with practicing. Like, if I, I remember practicing all night long a couple times when I had school and work that day, and that's all I did. It's just practice and practice and like i kept telling myself you got to be ready man because once that bus door opens with that ticket and says here here's your next level like you got to be ready to take that because if you don't you're going to be stuck with regret for the rest of your life wondering man what if you know you're going to be drinking out of that empty glass of suds and so from that moment on man uh i managed to barely graduated college i was not inspired Um, I realized I'm like, man, life is so precious in the minutes that we have on earth. It's like, how do you really want to spend that? How do you want to be remembered? You know, and how do you want to focus and feed your spirit? You know, and my teachers knew it. They knew I wasn't very inspired, but, um, managed to leave there with my degree, which felt great. But as soon as like I was done out of school, um, I had one of my professors, um, she gave me some really good advice. She said, if you invest in yourself, then bountifuls of wealth will follow. And I'll never forget that. Because that was much different from all the other advice my other professors, all these finance and business people gave me. It was, wasn't was necessarily, like, I never was really told to, like, invest in my violin skills ever, you know? Which is makes sense. I was not at a music school. I was at a business school. And, I mean, with a kid with an eyebrow piercing and gauges and long hair, like, I definitely stuck out versus, you know, a lot of other people, which is fine. But yeah um after that point uh jumped on tour uh after right after i got out of, out of uh, college i was in five different bands finding any excuse to play as much as i could and then um i ran across this guy named sean james and his voice is freaking spectacular i remember the first time i heard him it was like it was this song called hunger and uh for you guys out there listening definitely check it out it's worth checking it out very talented individual uh very generous person um but basically um at the time he was someone that I I looked up to as far as like a favorite artist and so I recorded this live show sent it to him as like a like audition submission or whatever he messaged me back and he said hey man I would love to come I would love to play with you sometime I was like, all right, sweet. Awesome. This is going to happen. So he invited me out to a show where it was just him and this acoustic uh, set that he had. He didn't have his full band. It was just him with an acoustic guitar. And um, we arrived there and it was like fate. It was in the middle of this business district in Kansas City at this bar called the Westport Saloon. We're pulling up, me and my friend, Rachel Locke, shout out to her. She's a badass photographer. Love you very much, Rachel. But uh, we were both rolling up and in the middle of this business district that was like swarming with people, the parking spot right in front of the door of this bar was open. And it was like one of those parking spots you never get. So we both looked at each other and we're like, man, the universe is with us. The force is with us. This might be it. And so we go in there and lo and behold, uh, I, I, meet, I meet Sean and he invites me up on stage to play with him. No rehearsal. Nothing. Like no. I maybe knew like two of his songs that were like, you know, like the more popular songs. But, um, I remember I was thinking we we're just going to meet backstage after the show and jam a little bit. And it wasn't that case. He was like, nah, man, uh, I'm going to play like three songs and then I'll have you up. Is that cool? And I was like, yeah, dude. And he was like, all right, we'll give it like three or four songs. See what happens, you know? And so like, I'm sitting there and you know, um, I'm, I'm starting to shake. Cause I'm just like, oh man, like this is really happening, you know? And, but I knew I was ready. You know, I put in the time and I, I played till my fingers had bled. So we get up on stage and I start setting up my stuff. And he's like, all right, once again, we'll give it like three or four songs, see what happens. So at the end of those three or four songs, he gets done. I start putting away my violin case, grab my empty glass. And he's like, "Whoa, where are you going? And I was like, "Ah, oh, dude, like, I appreciate you having me up here, you know, but I'm not trying to like steal your show or anything. Or, you know, people are here to see you. They ain't here to see me. They don't know who the hell I am. And he was like, no, 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 sit your ass back down. And he's like, bartender, get this man a beer and a shot on my tab." So I sat back down, and I started, like, shaking again. I was like, oh, man, this guy really, really digs what I do. Like, this is crazy. This is one of my favorite artists, you know what I mean? And it was, we spent the next five or six songs afterwards. And I would ask him the keys on certain songs, and he didn't know. So we were just like, you know Screw it, dude. Let's just play and see what happens. So we played and we played like we freaking rehearsed, man. It was awesome, man. It was just we lit that crowd on fire, and it was it was so organic. It was so cool. So that led on to me joining on tour with him and touring for the past two years of my career, and I learned a lot. I learned uh, what it is to be away from family. I learned what it is to uh, really. Observe someone who is really dedicated to their music career and what it takes. You know, all the little things. Getting up in the morning, answering emails that you don't want to do. Making those long drives. Or making sure that even if you're beat at the end of the show, you're still ready to interact with your fans and show them that you care and you appreciate, you know, their time that they took out of their lives to come watch you play music. You know, all of which was very integral. And it was almost like an internship, almost, in a way. You know, it was like I had the first seat. Next to this rising dude, you know, that was paying his dues, you know, in the in in his way, you know, doing the hustle. It was work, 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 and it was such a thrill, man. I met so many different people. We did uh, about three or four tours across the U.S. from like all the way down to Texas, all the way up to Canada, to New York, California. We've been to Europe, I think, three or four times, and. I got to um, play fiddle tunes that I had learned when I was a little kid, traditional Irish tunes, and then play those on my soundcheck on the streets of Dublin. And seeing like the local people light up, like, who are you? How do you know those songs? Where are you from? Get curious. It was like, oh, dude, it was bucket list worthy. It was so awesome and you it's know cool, dude I just got a little chills right there <laughs> man it was cool that story super inspiring man thanks man I appreciate that but hey there, basically goosebumps bro <laughs> it's kind
0: of cold in here too but
1: hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah <laughs> wow man so uh, yeah after after all that after I got off tour with him and now his new album has released called The Dark and the Light um, I was featured on one of the songs called Curse of the Fold and uh, I, I try to make it like a uh, uh, you, you check it out for all those that are listening, you know, and um, let me know what you think. You know, I know that um, put a lot of work into that one, but I know that, you know, um, leaving off with with Sean, uh, you know, I wish him nothing but the best luck, you know, moving forward. Because, you know, we we separated our paths. We're still much, very much homies. I I have a lot of love for him, you know, but it it came to a certain point in my time. It's like, okay, I've, I've seen behind the scenes now. Now it's time to take the step forward for myself, and start making these mistakes for myself and really just growing, you know. And I I think that's all I want, you know, going forth in life is just growth, really. You know. So now I'm in Albuquerque in the 505 and uh yeah, that's where I that's where I be now. Damn, it's quite a journey, man. It's <laughs> so
0: cool. Wow. Oh yeah. Well, do we uh do we want to play another another tune?
1: Yeah. Again, like this this EP is kind of like a story. So the first song is like basically describing that moment which I was talking about earlier, which I met my muse and I was talking to this apparition, you know, and it was like giving me the clarity that I needed, you know, to really like, okay, this is who I am and these are the steps forward. So this next song is called Chaos, and Chaos is supposed to be like I'm cemented, I know what I'm gonna do, and this is it now. You know, now we had the emotional upbringing. Now this is like the chaos where it's like fast, shreddy. There's a wah solo on it and it's like dedicated to Don Daryl. I grew up as a big Pantera fan when I was a little kid. If anything, man, I'm, I'm an imposter. I'm a guitar imposter because I replicate all my favorite licks on guitar on fiddle. And like I, I grew up listening to like Eddie Van Halen, Zach Wild, uh, Vac Daryl, like dudes that just had feel in their fingertips, you know, wild musicians. Well, that's how you dude. rock, like
0: watching you perform, man. You're like, you're like headbanging, <laughs> your hair's all over the place. Like, it's like yeah, it's pretty metal, actually. I didn't first think of that, but now that you're saying that, I'm like, oh yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> absolutely. you yeah, sure. a different
0: instrument, but you're, you're cool.
1: getting down, bro. That's hell, dope. hell yeah, man, awesome. Well, um. This next track is called Chaos, and I-, I hope you guys all enjoy it. A <gasps> So you just heard that song, Chaos, I hope you guys dug it. Um, that song is a little bit more of a homage to my heavier roots, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's kind of funny because like I never saw myself going out and creating EDM, electronica style music, you know? Um, I've always been a bluegrass metalhead ever since I was a little kid. Uh, my uncle handed me Flogging Molly's Drunken Lullabies CD, and I got Hank Three's, one of Hank Three's early CDs too when I was like in sixth grade. And then my dad was listening to like Reverend Horton Heat, so it was like I had like a lot of a lot of that, you know. Later led me to putting holes in my face, you know, and that whole thing. So um, at the end of it, you know, that's it gets it gets pretty heavy, and it. it I envision in my head, you know, I want a stellar light show and everything. But above all else, like, I just want, like, everyone to go insane in the crowd. You know, mosh pits, whatever, have you all crowd surfers. I just, you know, song's called chaos. So I want there to be chaos, you know, nonstop until the song you know, ends to the end of the set, hopefully. But, yeah. But um, I'm going to be dropping this EP um, at um, Before Gathering in Nations. Um, so
0: this is all on release material?
1: Yes. Everything. Ooh, world premieres. Actually, yeah, this is kind of the premiere. Yeah, so, but planning on um, dropping this before 4:27, and this will be available on all platforms. So, Spotify, iTunes, the whole shebang. And I'm planning on uploading each song up to YouTube, everything, to make it a super accessible. Um, This is my first official, really, release. I released Chaos last November as like a single but um this will be like the first ep that i've composed entirely by myself mixed and mastered everything and just to just to get it out there as the first step i mean it's not going to sound exactly like you know it perfect but someone once told me that you know a mix is never finished it's abandoned
0: yeah oh absolutely
1: (laughs) i know that it's hard (laughs) you know even when you hear it like a week down the road when you like finish it you're still like i didn't fix that or oh i need to go eq this or oh the compression sounds horrible on that you know but
0: yeah finishing my album last year was a nightmare revisit those episodes of the podcast you hear me complaining a lot about that (laughs) (laughs) you got it done though yeah yeah i definitely feel like um I learned a lesson is that I feel like the last like 50 or so hours I spent mastering and working on that. Yeah. Probably. I couldn't even really tell you if it sounds that much better than, than it did. Yeah. Bef- the 50 hours prior. Right. Uh, right. Like maybe even a little worse in some ways. Like I don't, I don't, it just, it, my brain went numb. You know, mm-hmm. I just, it was just white noise by the end. I couldn't, I couldn't differentiate. I'd heard it so much. I'd right. So much time on it. Um, I haven't listened to it too much lately, but there are a few tones and a few things here and there that, right. that, that kind of bother me. There's Appreciate one bass it. drop in one song that, like, kind of makes the speaker crackle a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, dang.
1: But you know, it's funny, it though, because, like, you, 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 we as producers will notice that. We'll notice, like, every little fine, like, little mess up or whatever. But, like, to the general audience, like, people are very unaware of that, I feel like. Until you tell them, you know, <laughs> at least. Cause I I'll show some of my mixes to my friends and like that's amazing and I'm like what are you talking about it sounds like crap <laughs> the low end is too flubby but you know that's just the curse that we live with I suppose yeah but
0: but you know no one else cares I always tell when I'm recording people too they'll be like, oh man that part that part I'm like you know no one else is gonna know but you for sure that's always that always comes up like sometimes I'm like yeah well, let's get it so you're happy with it of course but. But occasionally, when we're going over certain details, that that's an appropriate response too. Is like, I don't think that's a real action. That's not really a problem. People are like, I say that word weird. I'm like, no, no, you don't. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Sounds fine. It's just fine. That's something I used to do on stage too. Is wince whenever I messed up. Mm. And uh, I met with some music executives that were um, interested in Sean uh, up in New York. We played in Manhattan. And uh, I remember they brought that up to me. They say, you, uh, you acknowledge when you mess up on stage. And I was like, yeah. They're like, why do you do that? And I told them, I was like, right, it's some, I gave them some excuse of like it being like, I'm showing honesty to the crowd. And, you know, if I'm going to mess up, everyone should know. And they're like, don't do that. Stop it. Because the only reason we know that you messed up is because of your face. If it sounded just fine, we wouldn't even notice it until you shook your head and winced. And so <laughs> I don't do that anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. that's a good. That's a good lesson, for sure. I agree with that. Yeah, that no one knows you mess it up unless you, unless you show them. You yeah, know? dude. Yeah, that used to yeah. happen to me a lot. Too. I mean, sometimes you can mess up pretty bad, I guess, and you know, but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> little clubs, whatever.
1: Don't be that guy that's like, yo, I'm gonna start the song over. <laughs> sometimes it's just yeah. best to like just try to just recover and that's something cool too that's like a redeeming quality i find like within performers is like i almost watch for them to mess up and just so i can see like how do they handle themselves under pressure you know it's like how 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 well can you keep your cool you know especially when you have all these eyes on you and there's this, all this energy that's just wild in the room you know it takes uh it takes patience for sure definitely especially if that chord's like popping and crackling you know it's good not to be like barking around on stage or looking like a douchebag or you know regardless of the fact like you know you you're, you're still on stage you're in front of people you got to conduct yourself calmly you know and just reassure the crowd like hey man stuff happens you know sometimes it always yeah. all can't go perfect
0: it's a bad look i feel like when artists uh like Kind of yell at the sound guy, dude. For sure, stage.
1: man. That's I've, not cool. i've Seen
0: that a lot. I was at a show. I guess I don't want to say who or anything, but it was like bigger artists, a bigger tour, mm-hmm. and uh, their sound was a little messed up. And the, the MCs were just like, they were like just talking shit at the sound people and just saying, you know, like I don't remember exactly, but it was just, just kind of like snarky comments and yeah. like, kind of, like, hey, man, you gonna turn on my mic? How many times will I have to tell you to turn on this? You know, stuff yeah. like that, and. And uh, I don't know. I just kind of killed it for me. Like I didn't. I wasn't really enjoying their performance as much. Dude, absolutely. It's like you're supposed to be, bring the vibe up. not For be, sure. You
1: know. One of the things I learned in business school was that uh, you never reveal your problems to your consumer. Ever. You know. You don't ever tell them like, oh, we got a new or make. You know, they don't want to, people don't want to hear excuses usually. You know, and it's unprofessional to really like air out your dirty laundry or act like that. You know, talk to people like that. Because people the audience really won't understand what's what's the situation is. Only you really do. But they're what they're gonna see is just like you barking, you know, or people barking up on stage, spreading spewing negativity. You know, they're not gonna like read too much into your backstory or what you're going through because they're not performers, they're the audience. You know, they just bought a ticket and they're looking to have a good time, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Stay cool, man. For real.
1: Dude, this is one time. Uh, I'll tell you this quick story. One time, I was playing this uh, fiddle competition when I was like 12 years old. And uh, we were playing in Lawrence, Kansas. And my teacher, Diane Gillenwater, shout out to her. She taught me uh, a lot um, with the first few years of uh, f- uh, fiddle lessons. But uh, she was playing backup guitar. And then in, in this fiddle competition, you have three songs to play. First song is a hoedown, second song is a waltz, third song is a song of choice. So I was in the middle of my hoedown. There's a song called Arkansas Traveler, and um, it's like a it's a like barn burner, man. It's like a fast song, and I loved playing fast when I was a little kid. So we are playing under this huge oak tree. Anyway, um, when we talk about meeting adversity on stage, this is like my first experience where, like, I was playing, and I played with my eyes closed, and I was doing my thing, and all of a sudden I felt something, like, plop on my head. And it wasn't anything. It was like a rock. It was, like, lighter than a rock, lighter than an acorn, but I thought it was like a leaf or something. So I was like, eh, whatever. Like, still kept playing. Then it started to move on my head. And I was like, oh, this is a bug. What is this? You know what I mean? So I just kept playing, but my attention was definitely on whatever that was on my head. And so like I felt it crawl down my face and it sat on the ridge of my cheek, right? In like my direct line of vision. So it was like this big, blurry black spider. And I hate spiders, man. Like, they got their place in the universe. It's just not near me. You know what I mean? Like, if a spider is just chilling on the ceiling, you know, I won't kill it. Because spiders kill mosquitoes and flies and stuff, which is awesome. I just don't like spiders. So, there I was. You know, the showdown with this spider. And I kept playing. And I was just like, man, do I stop and shoo this thing off before it bites me in the face? Because out in Kansas, we got, like, brown recluse spiders and stuff like that. And that's immediately me, like overthinking things i was like oh my gosh it's poisonous oh my god oh my god oh my god and i just kept my cool you know i was like all right i'm just gonna let this ride out if it bites me it bites me you know if i stop then i'm gonna lose points with the judges and the whole reason i'm here the whole reason i spent weeks practicing for this moment you know so i kept playing and before the end of the song i felt the spire crawl down onto my chin and then it just jumped off like it was like all right i'm out of here thanks for the show he, he was out man <laughs> and so i talked to my teacher afterwards and i was like was a damn spider on my face you know and she's like oh i could tell you got really fast towards like the second half of the song and i was like oh my gosh but um i think i went on to win like I think like second place that year you know and like nice. the little youth division yeah it was cool man so against and then there's a lot of other phenomenal fiddle players. I think it was like who actually won that year was like there's always like some seven or eight year old little kid that just blows you away. You know what I mean? Like everything that you focus your entire existence on, it's like they do it and they look bored, and you're just like, oh, those little people, man. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Bless their hearts. No hate, but it's just funny when that happens.
0: Always got to be someone better.
1: Oh, dude, that's that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it, you know. And that's 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 just a platform for never-ending growth. Yes, and, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, Play another song. Yeah, let's is keep right? doing music. Cool, man. Awesome. Um, this next song is called "Sacred Stones." Um, I've been told by Game of Thrones fans that they really enjoy the song because it's a lot more tribal. It's basically uh, there's no life impactful story with this song. It was just um, I was listening to this. M- i don't even know what you kind of they're kind of like a more they're called wardruna have you ever heard of wardruna Mm. it's like it's like viking music but it's like huge on a colossal scale like they'll have like children's choirs they'll have like a bunch of like these old traditional uh, nordic instruments and they decipher their lyrics from ancient runes so it's like they're trying to like recreate the best possible representation of what music was like back then for, like, warrior cultures, I guess. You know, I could be completely out of line, but this is what I understand about it. But they have, all like, all these crazy horns that look like from, like, they're, like, from Hooville. You know, they spin in all these crazy different ways and whatnot. But they have this really, really daunting, beautiful, but haunting drone, like, marching kind of beat. You know, it's almost as if you're walking to war. And so I was vibing heavily, heavily with Wardruna, and I wrote this song called Sacred Stones, and it's basically supposed to kind of like replicate that. Um, There's elements of like Gaelic fiddle in that, but there's also um, as far as the percussion goes, and you'll hear you'll hear bells. Like that's sort of an homage to me growing up as a straight dancer, because you know, as a straight dancer in Native American ways, um, whenever you know you hear like a steady drum beat, and then each foot stomps twice you know and you have bells on so it's like left left right right left left right right so you there's like kind of like an element of like within you know a backstory like that i'm just just so everyone's kind of on the similar page of what's going on but uh yeah i hope you guys dig it Are listening, my host is now observing my fiddle. It's
0: beautiful, man.
1: Yeah, It's covered in rosin. Sorry, it's kind of dirty right now. But um, it's funny thing about that violin. Um, before I started really embarking on, um, rewind to the past, uh, past a little bit before, um, I had spoken about how I had that dream that changed my life and kind of set me in a better direction. Uh,
0: pause for the dog. There you go,
1: dude. He needs to be let out. He's got his thing going on. (laughs) Um, So um, I post that dream. So now that I had a renowned sense of what I'm going to do, all right, cool, Sage, this is what you're going to do. You're going to play violin, and you're going to play, you're going to make something of it. And so I used to work at this uh, music store in Topeka, Kansas, called Supersonic Music. And I did a lot of, like, guitar setups and just basic maintenance. I was, like, um, did a lot of cleaning you know, I just made sure it was presentable for everyone around. Did a lot of dusting, dusted a lot of uh drums. But in the in, while I was doing that, I learned a lot about like drum heads, accessories of stuff outside of my instrument, you know. So, um, it kind of gave me a, like a more well rounded knowledge of like when I walk into a music store, you know, I might, you know, I could talk drums with somebody, you know, what maybe perhaps what kind of heads they like to use, you know. And it's always interesting learning like people's preferences, but anyways. This lady comes in one day, and she has two violins, violin cases. I'm over there scrubbing something or whatever, and I couldn't help but notice it. And so she's talking to the owner, and she says, Hey, I have these two violins I'm looking to sell. Um, She opens up the first one, and it's what I call a gloss boss. So it's basically like the really cheap student-quality violin. And usually whenever you can really kind of tell it's cheap, it's very, very shiny and thick. And with violins, like, you know, I don't I don't really like violins with, like, really thick coatings because then it sounds really tinny and really confined, you know what I mean? It's, there's no warmth, basically. It sounds really like me-nee-nee-nee-nee-nee, kind of like what you expect from a horrible violin sound. But those are necessary to start out because that's what I started out on, you know, and you kind of got to, like, start there to appreciate what you have now sort of thing. But anywho, not to get too uh, on that, but um, the other violin that she had, I had not seen. And so um, I see him disappear in the back with her and they're going through accessories or whatever and what he's willing to trade and everything. And so she walks out the door and she has like some instruction books, maybe a couple of like little mini instruments. Basically, what I saw is that she didn't walk out with, you know, too much. You know, I think, you know, that he was fair, you know, and uh, the owner, Derek Sharp, he's been still there now, you know. And I know that he's a he definitely helps out the community there. You know, with you know, helping making deals, making sure it's fair for everybody, but um, what you call it. So, um, she leaves the store with all of her little gifts and whatnots that she had, and I go over there to the other violin, and um, my boss Derek he says, "Hey, why don't you go check out that violin there?" And so I open up the case, and lo and behold, in this old beat up wooden case was the violin that I play now, this one right here. And so I looked at it, and I was like, "Oh man!" Like the face, it was this really brown, amber, rich, red kind of color. And I immediately was just drawn to it. I was like, man, this thing looks cool. So I strung it up with some cheapo strings that we had, nothing special, and I played it. And usually there's like a resonance whenever there's like a, a, a instrument that kind of has a soul. And you can feel it in your fingers. You feel like almost like a warmth that resonates with your body. Basically, I remember Harry Potter? Remember when he was like picking out his wands? Mm -hmm. And, like, he's picking up certain wands, and they're just, like, blowing up stuff or, like, tearing up stuff. And the wand maker's like, oh, the wand dude's just like, nope, not that one. And then he picks up that one wand, and then, like, the light comes down from above, and there's, like, all of a sudden, like, wind that picks up and wisps his hair. That was basically my moment with this violin. (laughs) And I played it, and I was like, whoa, this thing's still alive. And... It had no sticker on the inside of it, which, uh, those that aren't familiar with violins or, you know, a labeling, um, luthiers will take a sticker and, or not a sticker, but a piece of paper, they'll sign, date it, and they'll let people know like, yo, I made this violin. This is when I made it. I completed it. And they'll, they'll glue it to the bottom inside the body of the violin. Mine didn't have one. And all it had was a little conservatory heart on the back of it, the, the scroll on the top. So, um. At first I was like, I don't need it. I don't have the money. I'm in college, you know, like I'm in school. I need, I'm penny pinching as it is. And so went home, first night I dreamt about it. I dreamt about playing that violin. Second night, I dreamt about it again. Third night, I was like, all right, if, if I have dreams of playing this thing on stage one more time, it's my violin. Sure enough, it was like, it was calling me, dude. It was weird. And it was like, next day, I told him I would get it appraised by a legit luthier just to make it fair. And he was like, all right, I'm fine with that. Took it to Beautiful Music in Lawrence, Kansas. Shout out to JJ, who owns and runs that that shop. He, love that dude very much. But he prized it. And I thought I, I had discovered, like, a Stradivarius or something. And lo and behold, it wasn't. And he just told me it was just like a—it was made in—it was a German violin. Um, he felt like it was made in, like— um, Anywhere, I think between 1890 and 1930, somewhere around there. But um, it was still my violin, regardless. So I paid 300 bucks for it, and now um, I can't tell you like how much like gratitude I have for this instrument because it's taken me all over the world. I, once before, right before I went on tour with Sean, I got held up. Um, I was in my car, and these six kids rolled up on me, and I heard two Glocks, like they chambered rounds. And I looked around and they shoved pistols in my mouth like i remember feeling like barrels on my teeth and they had me i was coming out of a gig and i had all my crap on me i'm talking laptop i had my cords my amp i had my money i had my brand new 128 gig like iphone 6s which is like the biggest and baddest at the time you know what i mean like a thousand dollar phone which they took all of it except when it came to my violin like I was scared for my life. It was more of like shock. Like, is this really happening in this moment? But the moment that one of those kids like started reaching for the case, like I snatched it up and I was like, yo, you can take anything you want, but like you, you're not taking this. Like, and, and at that moment I was like, my life might end here. Cause it, you know, it's, you know, and people may say like, "Oh, it's, it can be replaced. It's a materialistic item. But like what, what people you know, people may not understand is that, you know, there's a lot of energy with instruments that you play, especially with violins, because they're built a certain way, you know, they resonate, they all have different characteristics, just like a guitar, ukulele, whatever. But for some reason, I just felt like this violin was meant for me. And it was like, no, nah, man, like you, you kids don't realize what this is. Like, go ahead, take my laptop, take my phone, take my cash, whatever. But, and I just remember in that moment, like, they, the kid that had his hand on my case, like let it go, and they just continued to search me and my car, all of which I felt a pistol on the back of my neck. So they left, and they said if they, if I said anything, they'd come kill me, whatever. Blah 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 blah. Well, the kids ended up driving me in front of their own house, which was kind of funny because like I could see them in the house across the street, and they're trying to put up bed sheets to like make sure that they weren't seen. All of which, of the while, it was like I could see them clearly where they were at. And brought the cops back. They were arrested. Yada yada yada. But I remember I left with my life. I left with my car, and most importantly, uh, was, I left with my violin. And it, and it, it, I knew from that moment, you know, I don't, I don't. Maybe it was instinct. I don't know. But I just knew that, like, yo, like, this is this is this is my key, or this is my gateway to like a better life. Hopefully, you know which it has proved itself, you know, I've been all over the world, you know, I've seen places I never thought I'd see. I'm just like, I was Kansas boy raised out in the corn, man. (laughs) You know what I mean? And all of a sudden I'm flying, catching a flight from Chicago O'Hare to Paris, France, you know what I mean? And, or like I'm in Germany or I'm in the Netherlands, I'm in Amsterdam. And it's just like all because of the instrument that I carry with me you know i can't take full credit because like there's some violins i can play and it's just like it doesn't pull it out of me you know what i mean like it's it's not mine whereas this one you know i i've been through hard times good times and it's almost like it's like weird it's like a best friend you know it, it really is like i i got a relationship with this instrument and you know um I try to take care of it the best of my ability and definitely make sure that even after inebriated nights on stage, I've trained myself now where it's just like, before I go to hang out or hee-haw with anybody else, like I put my violin away and I make sure it's stashed in somewhere safe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause it's like, you know, you hear about people losing instruments or it being stolen, you know, so much these days. Oh yeah. And I, I you know, it's it's just like one of those things like if I lost my laptop that would suck I would lose a lot of my mixes but ultimately it's just like if I lost my violin it'd be a lot different you know absolutely sure. yeah
0: and that mm-hmm. relationship you know it's interesting being an MC, I mean I've been in all kinds of things I guess mostly uh I identified as a guitar player but I haven't really been much of a guitar player in yeah. several years you know I still play I still noodle still use it with making beats but nice I haven't taken my guitar out of my studio in years mm-hmm. um so, you're kind of reminding me, like, yeah, I used to have that relationship. Well, maybe actually, yours that's a very special relationship. I don't think I've ever had an instrument that's meant that much to me, but um, I know what you mean. I'm yeah. my acoustic yeah. guitar that I used to gig with and travel around with, like, that was my baby. I love it, yeah, that man. Guitar. I loved it so much. And as an MC, I guess I don't really have that anymore. You know, it's a flash yeah. drive and it's a microphone. You got your and voice. I'll use anyone's microphone. Yeah, it's just, you I got guess, your so. Voice.
1: yeah and so that's which is very powerful it's something almost like i'm trying to find myself trying to replicate you know um i think a voice ultimately is like if you hear a badass singer you know it's going to catch your ear i mean people it it, it everyone uh, you know it resonates with their humans because we all have voices you know and i think it's just like how you go about using yours you know and i don't know like it's it's funny because i'm trying to replicate vocals with my violin if anything you know what i mean um I do sing. I used to be in a metal band. I used to do uh, growls, like lows and highs and sing for this like death metal band. It was awesome, man. And I also played violin in that band, Whew. which was freaking badass. Like Violins can kind of go anywhere, really. Yeah. There's really nothing.
0: It's like, oh, you can't have a violin in that,
1: you know. Right, yeah.
0: And you're proving it with the EDM stuff, too, now. It's just, that's maybe one I would have never thought of, but cool, now man. I hear it. It works.
1: Hell, yeah. Yeah, Lindsey Sterling is definitely leading that forefront, I think. Um, but uh, shout out to her. I will, A goal is like I want to at least open or tour with her at least once before I bite the dust, which is more than possible. I just got to keep putting in the work and telling myself that it's going to happen, you know, You just like visualization you know, yeah, sort of keep, thing, you know.
0: Keep trying, keep working, keep, I mean, that's kind of the thing. It's like it's hard, but it's simple. You just keep doing it and things will happen. Yeah, I've learned that with music I put more energy in music And more things came out of it Yeah It's like Kind of Kind of like It's like that wisdom That's not really that wise Because it's so obvious But at the same you know, time It isn't
1: It's so simple truth though You know what I mean Like People overcomplicate So many things all of our problems Or whatever We It's like Oh we gotta do this We gotta do this 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 To solve it When it's just like It's It's all Very so simple You know And it's You know We convolute things So much I do you know, I, th- I feel like we all do. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, it, it's it's just funny until you're out there doing it, you don't really like unlock those answers until you're actually doing it. You know, a trial by fire sort of thing. You learn about yourself and your own abilities and what you're capable of, which yeah. is pretty badass. Absolutely. So.
0: Well, we've been talking about this beautiful instrument. Let's, uh, if you're down, would you like to share a little live in studio? Fiddle party? Oh
1: absolutely. Let's do it. Let's let's get the fiddle party started.
0: All right, word. There
1: we go. Turn it up on the amp a little bit or Okay, cool. Awesome. So I started like um, one of my favorite songs when I was a little kid was uh, this traditional Irish tune called Swallowtail Jig, and uh, it's just like... so that's like kind of like one of the songs that I remember like I sound checked when I was in Ireland. You know and it felt good because I you know I, I was told that that song was from there you know and that was like one of the other songs another song that I played was called uh, road to listoon Varna which is like wait no that's not that's not Varna like, hang on a second. It's like, kind of like the foundation, those are the first songs that I really started learning as a fiddle player, and I started like figuring out about myself as I really love Gaelic style fiddle, Irish style fiddle. I mean, I think, um, the like that one scene in the Titanic where Jack takes the girl down and they party with like all the lower class people, and it's like popping, and they got all these other songs going. Like, uh, one of the songs they played was Drowsy Maggie, which I like started to learn a little bit later. there but um so like i i like that's at my core that's that's my foundation as far as that goes then i started learning like when started being in classical orchestras and symphonies and whatnot and i started kind of doing that thing which um i learned a lot of technique and i started learning like wow a lot of my favorite fiddle players um are classical music like classically trained and i think to kind of like be able to play as wild as I want to, it's like I kinda gotta be efficient with my movement, you know, or how I'm executing certain notes so people can hear what I'm playing clearly. But, um, but like I said, I grew up, uh, my uncle, my uncle Chuck, um, Chuck Cornelius, he was a big musician, um, part of, like, that influenced me growing up, like I said, he gave me like, the Hank 3 CD, he gave me the Flogging Molly CD, but he's also like, taught on Suzuki Piano, so there's a song out of that book, out of like I don't know one of the first three books. That's called Happy Farmer. It's like ding 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 And he would play that, and that was like my favorite thing ever since I was a little kid. But then I wasn't soon after. I think maybe I was like my freshman, maybe in high school. And he gave me the the Dime Vision DVD, and I remember just plopping that in. And just like thinking like oh man this is what this is what my uncle's into so like I want to check this out and that's when I first started hearing like all these crazy squeals you know the dime bag would do that. You just hear, like you know just like you like stuff that's unorthodox to this instrument you know what I mean and then like you know I started just incorporating different things <laughs> So it's like, I try to like start to combine like all my fiddle runs with all this heavy metal lead guitar stuff that I was hearing. And it's, um I don't know, like, like I said, I, I picked up guitar and I learned every Metallica riff that I could from Fade to Black to Battery to uh, Harvester of Sorrow to Nothing Else Matters, you know what I mean? And one of my favorite, one thing I couldn't, I couldn't, I wasn't able to do, um, I had a shoulder injury on my right shoulder. I think I tore my rotator cuff lifting weights cold. I didn't warm up. And um, whenever I tried to pick fast or I spent long intervals practicing, it would just like set my shoulder on fire. So it kind of limited me in a a little bit. So, I mean, instead of investing, instead of like pursuing it further on guitar, I just transposed what I learned on guitar over to fiddle and just started learning like, more guitar-based riffs, I guess. So it's like, I wanted to be like Eddie Van Halen, Dimebag Darrow, Zach Wild, you know, Jason Richardson, who's also one of the new, newer shredder dude who I highly respect, but bringing that world over into this fiddle world that I have, you know. And then, and I fully got to realize that style whenever I was touring with Sean James, and he has this rock band called Sean James and the Shapeshifters, and that's when it's like more, more guitar. You know, whenever I, I would go out and play I would often hear from people like I was looking at the guitar player and then I looked over and I noticed it's a fiddle player playing like these licks it's not a guitar so um, I don't know I, I guess I, that's just just, just um, how I went about it <laughs> you know um, just integrating the styles if anything so I just just shred shred man I, I just just shred
0: that's awesome, man. That's so fun to hear. That's so cool, dude. Um, yeah, so what's up with those pedals you got there? What's
1: Okay, so I'm running a Mesa Boogie Grid Slammer, which is an Overdrive badass pedal. I used to uh, play that through my uh, 5152 tube amp through my Hayden 412 with Selection 30s. And then I had an uh, ESP uh, 401 Baritone, which is a 27-inch scale length neck, so I could tune down to G. So, like, sound checks were always awesome. I'd flick on my overdrive, and it'd add a little bit extra gain. So, like, my chugs were extra chuggy. And then, so, you know, it'd be like, stage right guitar, buck bow it was like a Meshuggah concert basically <laughs> and like we were like heavy like i was like in the heavy big heavy chunky riffs like that like i remember like setting up my my half stack for the first time plugging everything in and just like when i would just palm mute chugs like feeling like the hair on my legs just like tickle just how loud and mean it sounded man oh it was so awesome i miss those days dude and then um but anyway, um, that's my Mesa Boogie Grid Slammer Overdrive, and I'm running that and just into a regular Crybaby Wah. Um, I used, I toured with a Dimebag Daryl uh, Dime uh, Wah from Hell, um, when the tours I did through Europe, and that was always cool too. Like it was kind of a conversation starter because I see dudes show up in like black label Society shirts and stuff, and people would be like pointing at the wah pedal and pointing at me, and then they like you know make like the guitar. Like you, you playing guitar? And I was like, and I point out my violin and people get curious. You know, and then showtime was and it came the time to like rip out like a that, that wah solo and that's when it was just like it felt really good. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna change a little bit of the rules here, you know. You're gonna
0: outshred these guitar players with a violin. I'm a better guitar player on this violin than you are on a guitar. <laughs>
1: appreciate that, man. That's
0: respect. No, that's to- that's super dope,
1: man. Hell yeah. I usually um i have like a pitchfork pedal i ha- I left at home but uh i I can shift it down like an octave and it sounds just like a cello so like for like cinematic builds or uh, especially like for singers you know to like create swells I add some like reverb and delay and then just whoop 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 you know behind people singing and whatnot man I'd love to have you over one day
0: and we'd make lay like, and make beats with you Dude, cause I'm down. I make down, beats man. all the time, and uh, sometimes I pull in my bass guitar, sometimes I pull in my guitar, and it's all, like, um, it's kind of a blend between, like, synthesizers and, and programming and actual uh, instruments, and then what I do with those instruments is I sample and make loops with those, and then that's how I assemble my beats. Yeah. But I, I, yeah. a lot of the stuff you're playing, I'm like, man, we, we can make some... Oh, no beats! Oh, I,
1: I'm so down. Like that's 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 definitely a large that. chunk of my time is making beats as well. You yeah, know? so yeah, it's heck always yeah. fun to get
0: together with people who have different approaches to making beats. So. For
1: sure, absolutely. We'll have to talk about that. Heck yeah, man! <laughs> That'd be awesome. Lots that's of so 808s nice. <laughs> No, just, but um, can make that work. Heck yeah! Heck yeah! Heck yeah!
0: <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, uh, do you have any shoutouts? Or is there anything else we want to do before we play the last uh, recording?
1: Yeah. Um. Shout out to uh, shout out to my mom, Barbara Cornelius, um, my girlfriend, Liv the Artist, who's also here in town with me in Albuquerque. She's on, she's busy making her way too. Um, she's definitely built up her name in the native scene, you know, and it's aspiring to have, you know, someone close to me like that, that is just as determined and driven, you know. It's kind of, it's, it's an interesting thing when two independent people come together, you know, and be in a relationship. It comes with its trials, but, you know, it's, all in the end, like it's 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 inspiring. You know, it's like kind of like a healthy competition, and it helps me keep me on my my schedule, my regime, what I need to do. You know, instead of laying around and eating Cheetos all day. You know, um, we're watching Dragon Ball Z all day. You know, which I've done that, but yeah, it's, it's easy to
0: fall off the pr- productivity sometimes.
1: For sure. Um, shout out to my cousin Defy, uh, Chris. Um, I was actually gonna play you a song that we did, but um, we kind of agreed that he wanted more one more run. Because uh, I, I featured him on one of my songs. That's going to be on the EP. And that's the one you performed. Um, yeah, together. I don't at, know if that, you saw that that night. Yeah. At, at, uh,
0: at the on, during your set, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, that was uh, that was crazy, man.
1: Yeah, dude, it, it, it was so cool, and it was so awesome because like he showed up and he had just written like his verse, like I think it was like two verses that day, and just performed him. But um, I think we, we said we want to get one more run at that before we, we debate, debut that, you know. Oh, um, yeah, no worries. So there's it's... a little bit more of a flow whenever. Oh, that's dope. Heck yeah. Yeah, no, I
0: filmed it. I Heck have yeah. it on mute because we're not giving it up.
1: But... <laughs> yeah. Man, it's awesome, man. Two Navajo boys. Well, that being said,
0: this was played live, so it's not like this is on release. It's a live no, it's fine, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, that's all you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. <laughs> give him too much.
1: Leave him hungry. But shout out to him and all the love that he's shown to him uh, to Liv and I. Um, it's been very, uh, you know, one of the big things, like I said earlier, that's helped us get established and help us, you know, um, get known within the scene here. You know, And I'm just grateful that like he is as, as humble as he is you know and help sharing the platform with other artists like like such as what you're doing you know and it's it's cool to be in that network of people because i think that you know whenever you you share that that mindset you kind of like gravity you have people that gravitate that similar kind of energy towards you too you know yeah. i think who you who you are as a performer like definitely like you attract those kind of people at your shows you know what i mean um if you're a good person or you have you know you're you're just you're cool with where you are in the universe. Chances are you're going to attract a lot of people that are cool with where they're at in the universe, you know? But, um, I'm not going to get all, all into that. Shout out to my dad, David Cornelius. Um, my mom and dad were, you know, very supportive, like helping me get to this far. And also, uh, my grandpa, Don had passed away on Christmas some years back, but he's ultimately like probably the biggest reason that like I started playing and everything. Um, but shout out to all the other artists and the grind and the hustle um, within Albuquerque area, um, one of which I know is my friend Jer in the Jer Project. He's another one of those individuals, too, that's, like, using his platform to promote other artists, and it's super rad, man. It's it's cool. We need more of that, especially, like, within our native scene because it's, it's smaller than I think that people realize, you know, instead of everyone competing with each other, you know, it's like we should be setting up shows, going to each other's performances and whatnot, which I see a lot of, which is awesome, you know. Um, but um, shout-out to him um i'll probably end up forgetting some some names as i'm listening to this <laughs> yeah but, it's um, always the danger shout outs dude oh man it's not who you shout out it's who you forget it's who you forget <laughs>
0: oh so you're driving home you're like damn it
1: <laughs> <laughs> call up and apologize uh yeah uh uh love and respect to everyone that took the time to, list, to at least get this far if you're still listening i appreciate you um Please check out my music. Uh, My name is Sage Cornelius. You can find me on all related social medias, on uh, Facebook, Instagram. Most of my stuff where I post a lot of my business and where I'm going to be is uh, definitely on Instagram. But you can find me at Sage Hardcore underscore Cornelius.
0: Hardcore. Yeah, and you are, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Yeah. So what's this last song?
1: Okay, this last song is... um, I haven't figured out a name for it. At first, it was called All Aboard, because it's... But then I was like, man, I really wrote this song as, like... Like, as I was inspired, I was, like, driving through the mountains of Colorado. And it was just, like... It's so serene if you can do it at night. Like, if you're driving through, like, Estes Park or whatever, you're getting... You're cruising from town to town. And it, I remember... Um, I did one time, and I went with some friends, and we did a bunch of hiking and whatnot, but I just remember one of the most beautiful, serene moments on that trip was cruising through those mountains, and we were away from town, so we had just had galaxies above us. It was all this beautiful stars and color and everything, and we are listening to the, kind of like this atmospheric jam. So this this song is an homage to that. So like, um, I call it Party on Space Mountain, because it. I'm thinking of like two friends like cruising up to like this huge shindig on top of this mountain and it's like you can kind of hear their journey and at the end of it the beat kind of changes and drops and that's kind of like them arriving to the party and then like then it really kind of starts getting popping and then that's when it's supposed to be kind of like okay now they're at the party and they're vibing and they're dancing and there's like a break dance and you know what i mean it's just all this all this is happening but um yeah this will be the ending song on my uh on my ep But uh, yeah, I hope you guys dig it. Once again, Chaos EP is being dropped on um, before 4.27, which you'll be able to find on all platforms. Once again, uh, iTunes, Spotify, uh, YouTube, and all that. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited to finally release it and get it out there and just cut the ties and see what happens.